So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now, for the review of the day. Okay, I got a review here from Marshy257, Marshy257, five stars, starting of a career. I've started listening to your podcast, and they've made me excited to start this journey. I'm currently enrolled to take the real estate class in August in Ohio and plan to move to Florida at the first of the year. Listening to your guests and listening to younger agents have motivated me to push for the best. Thanks again, Matt. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want, or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first, and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. Okay, Rockstar Nation, I got a great guest coming from Arlington, uh, Virginia, Mr. John Mentis, along in Foster. And man, he is doing uh, something that's important to spotlight, and that's he's, he's got a very high profit margin, and he's doing this by himself. And a lot of the agents that uh, listen to us now are, are going through the debate of, you know, do I expand and and decrease my profit margin or just do I keep it to myself and, and be uh, uh, a smaller outfit and a single agent and make a really good profit margin. So uh, we're going to get in some nitty gritty here. So without further ado, John, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Good morning. How are you, Pat? Great to be with you. I'm awesome, buddy. Why don't you uh, give everybody a little rundown, John, on who you are so they can get to know you better. Sure. So I am here in Arlington, Virginia, just across the river from Washington, D.C., licensed both in Virginia and in the district. I've been in the business for 15 years, the whole time as a sole proprietor, no team, no assistant, no nothing. Uh, in 2017, I did a little under 22 million in volume, 38 units for about 445,000 in GCI. Uh, second career for me, and for about 20 years, I did trade association work and uh, association management export promotion before shifting over to real estate. Wow, that's awesome. And um, all right, so you said 38 deals, right? Right. 445 ECI ego commission income. Now, what, what's your profit margin on that about? Uh, kind of back of the envelope, probably around 70%. Okay, so 70%, so over 300,000, which is which is a great, uh, which is a great career, you know, 300,000 net. And, and so tell me a little bit about your business. What percentage buyers, what percentage sellers? I've kind of split 50, 50 over time. I mean, beginning of my career, it was more heavily skewed towards buyers. And then as I've gotten more experience and more clients, then the listing side of it picked up. So I'm about half and half. Okay, that's great. Now, where did these 38 deals come from? <laughs> Most of them are from referral. I mean, over 80% of uh, everything I do is a referral or a repeat from a past client. That would be first. Uh, second, referrals from other agents in my office. And then third would be people who find me randomly online. That's great. Okay, so cool. So let's talk about this. And, and you know, here's the thing, right? All three of those things, 100% of your business doesn't cost any upfront money. Right? You're not like paying for leads. You're not buying leads, right, guys? All three of these things, and 80% is referral. That's just free business, right? Uh, repeat and referral. So, so let's talk about all these things. First of all, the, the sphere of influence or the, the repeat and referral. What do you do to stay in touch with them? Well, a couple different things. 
first in terms of a regular touching. Every other month they get a full color magazine. I mean, one of the services that are out there, Bandit has my picture on the front, my name on it. Inside front cover lets me personalize the letter. It's a really light read, but it reminds people that I'm still here. And believe it or not, they like all those recipe cards in the middle, which I have always thought is kind of ridiculous. But they, they tell me, they volunteer, they go, oh yeah, I made this, I made that, and I just have to smile and go, good, good. So that's one piece of it. That's so weird, and because they thought like you, like you, it's a family recipe that your great grandmother taught you, and then you're you're writing it down and you're putting it in a magazine <laughs> to them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely not. But they they love it. It's crazy. So that's one piece of it. Um, second piece of it: all former clients, presuming we had a, a good transaction together, I do invite them to connect with me on my personal Facebook page, not my business page. Because for all the time that we spend together in the car, if it's a buyer, or on the phone, if it's a seller, we have shared personal information. I know about their kids. I know what they like. I know what they don't like. They know about my family. They know my hobbies. So we actually have kind of a bond. And in some cases, those bonds have turned into friends. We do stuff socially. So that's an easy, that's a second. Third, I'm always aware whenever I'm driving through a neighborhood, who lives here? Who did I sell? You might see Halloween decorations on the front stoop, for example. Pick up the phone and call them. Nobody's in the car with me. I have Bluetooth in the car. Their number's in my phone. Immediately call. Hey, I was there. It's just a quick five-minute chat. See what's going on with them. Or if they're not home, leave a voicemail. Or if it's impossible for me to talk, I'll follow up with the text or something or an email later in the day just to keep touching. And, and they love that. They, I do care, and they feel that I care. And they're being reminded I'm still here and I'm still successful. It works. Yeah, that, I love all those. So, so who do you use for this magazine? Uh, it's called American Lifestyle. They're out of the Philadelphia area, I think King of Prussia. And I've used them gosh, must be 10 plus years. And often I think of changing because it's, it's not a heavy read and it's really light. But every time I ask clients, they always say to me, oh no, it's fine. That's what I want. I want something I can read in five or 10 minutes and then throw it away. I don't need to keep it, but I like it. So I keep it. And it's um, a couple bucks an issue. Yeah, yeah. Luca Cree is the owner that he's been on the show uh, before a good guy and um, uh, that was a good episode so okay cool so uh, all right so let's uh, talk a little bit about you know do you use any sort of technologies uh, is there anything interesting that you're using now whether it be an app or uh, on your computer or how are you keeping track of all this and and how are you staying efficient without assistance and and you know other people doing this for you I'm a big proponent of writing stuff down, making a chart, making a spreadsheet. So up until this point, I've been doing just fine with that. That is, I've got a, an Excel spreadsheet that goes back all 15 years, and I can show you how many deals I did each month, what the price was, and then how does that run against what I expected to do that year. So then I can take a look at, well, where did I expect my high-performing months to be versus where my high-performing months actually were? And that helps me, number one, stay sane. So if I'm having a really bad month, I'm like, it's okay. You normally have a bad month in August, for example. Don't freak out. It'll be all right. Or when can I plan vacation? Well, for me, that's probably October because I know that's the slowest month. Conversely, May is the busiest. So I have to tell people, look, I'm sorry, I can't come to graduation or wedding or any of that stuff because I'm going to be knocking it out of the ballpark in May. As far as apps go, um, I stick to the basics. You know, use what works. So most recently, I've been doing more and more with Skype. I mean, I know that's, that's not new and sexy, but I have a client right now who is um, in Iraq, and I have another client who's in France. And given our market here in the D.C. area, which is super hot, 
multiple offers. If it's any good, it's off the market in two days. They don't have the luxury of time to go out with me because they're not here. So the client who's in Iraq, we had one weekend, went around and saw property, talked to him on Skype before he arrived, talked to him on Skype after he went back home, we wrote a contract, and in fact, he goes to closing this Thursday. And he really hasn't been here. <laughs> He's been in the property once. Uh, the clients who are currently in France and coming back, they're a bit panicky because they can see how fast these properties are going off the market. So they have a friend here who's going to stand in for them. They've identified properties that I've sent them through the MLS. And we're going to go see that property tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock. See if he likes it. Then I'll talk back to them while they're in France and figure out if they want to write an offer from half the world away. That's great. I love that. What percentage of properties now are buyers that you're working with finding on their own versus what percentage are you finding for them? It's not very many that find it on their own. I mean, by, you know, through Zillow or Realtor.com and finding it like that. Yeah, they get excited because they think they found it in Realtor.com or Zillow or, or one of the other real estate sites. But what I always counsel them is, look, you've got to make sure that you understand the status of the property you're looking at. And a lot of the sites out there are perhaps not as transparent, shall we say, as to whether or not a property is fully available. So that they think they found this great thing that I didn't send them through the MLS and I have to go, yeah, that's already under contract or that's sold already what they're looking at isn't terribly updated. So I would say that really the stuff we find comes through me through their auto search in the MLS. Once in a great while, they may find something that's coming soon that an agent has decided to post on Zillow before they put it in the MLS as coming soon. But that's one or 2% of the time. It's very rare. Hmm. Interesting. Now, what if anything are you doing and I'm not going to talk, we're not going to talk about exact numbers here, so we won't get in any trouble. We're just going to talk about in, in general with regards to commission, because I know, um, you know, I've talked to some other agents in the D.C. Virginia marketplace, and, and there tends to be a, some companies, some agents who, have, uh, who are dropping their co-op commission. Now, are you doing anything personally about this, or if, if you show a property and it has a lower co-op commission than you're normally used to, do you just say, oh, well, that's luck of the draw? I'm the agent who says that's luck of the draw because my focus is on the client. So there's an example, and again, no numbers, uh, property several years back, very low co-op commission. But that was the perfect house for these guys. And we showed it. They loved it. They bought it. They appreciated that I accepted the co-op commission without coming after them for anything additional. And several years later, when they decided to move, they called me back to list it. And it was a great commission on the listing side. So when I talk to buyers, they need to know that I'm focused on them, not chasing on the dollar. On the seller side, depending on how difficult we think the property is going to be to sell, will determine what kind of advice I give them as to what kind of a co-op commission to offer. Uh, having said that, I was shocked one day when I actually heard an agent say that they don't show property below X percent on the co-op. I mean, I, I tried to not show my mouth falling open to the floor because I'm thinking, where's your allegiance? Isn't your allegiance to the client? Don't you want to build a bond with them? Don't you want them to trust you? Don't you want them to come back to you in the future? No, they were just focused on how much money was going to go in their wallet. And I, I think long-term, that's, that's not a successful recipe for this business. Well, and, and the question lies here with that person or people like that, right? Are they lying to the client or are they disclosing to the client? Meaning... Are they saying to the client, hey, listen, there's some houses that don't pay me what I want to get paid, so I'm not going to show them to you. And if you want to see them, you know, there's other agents that will more than willing to be raising their hand for the job. Or are they saying, oh, that one's under contract? Or, oh, that one wouldn't let us in, the, the 
the people are having a baby shower. Are they lying or, you know, half-truthing it, or are they telling the truth? Well, let's hope they're telling the truth. And I, I, I didn't engage that client because I, excuse me, that agent, because I just did not want to have that conversation with her. But that is the question. And I think it goes back to the agent's mindset. What are you doing? If you're only going to show property that co-op at a certain commission, that's fine. That's your choice. But you have to disclose to the buyer that you're not going to show them these other properties. Or if you are, they're going to have to make up the commission for you. That's all part of the buyer broker agreement discussion, isn't it? That's all the upfront. Manage the expectation. If It's okay if that's who you want to be. That's the way I look at it. If that's how you, who you want to be as an agent, that's fine. But own it. Tell it. Get the buy-in, get the understanding, because if you don't, that buyer finds, let's say that uh, there was another property on the market at the same time as the one the agent showed them at a higher co-op, and they like that other property better, at least in our area, that buyer's going to come right back and complain, and perhaps complain loudly, where if they'd known ahead of time that they weren't going to have it shown to them because of the commission structure, well, they might not have liked it, but maybe they could have worked out a solution and gotten the house that they liked better. And, the, and, the, and then that allows agents like John, John Mentis, who, you know, to, to maybe get more buyers because people will say, hey, you know, go with John because he'll show it to you regardless of the co-op commission. And you never know in life where things lie. Like you say, you got, a, you got another listing from them and the, co- the commission was really big or, or they may buy it. And the deal may fall through and then they go and they buy something else with you because they're not going to go back to that other agent after that, that has a, a, a higher commission. So you just don't ever know. You don't ever know. I mean, this business is weird. You never say never and you never say always. It's so rare that there's any black and white in this business. It's all the shade of gray. So for me, what I've learned over time, you got to be honest, you got to be upfront and you you got to take ownership of who you are and how you do business because if you don't and you try and kind of slip things under the rug or you cut corners, it'll come back to you one way, shape or form. It's going to hit you and then start undoing your reputation. And we, one of those adages out there about how long it takes to build a reputation and how quickly that reputation can be destroyed by one event. And I'm a total believer in that total believer in that. So it may not, you may see other people cutting corners, but my advice would be don't do it. Just be, be who you are. Hey guys, as you know, my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, has been a New York Times bestseller and a USA Today bestseller with over 30,000 copies sold to real estate agents and real estate investors alike. And uh, listen, I have decided to do something really special here. I am going to give away 200 copies. Yes, I'm going to give away 200 copies that I have. And all you need to do to get one is to go to freesixstepsbook.com. That's freesixstepsbook.com, all spelled out, S-I-X, stepsbook.com. And you can fill out a form and all you need to do is pay the shipping and handling and I'm going to send you that book absolutely free or simply text the word PAT to 444-999. My goal is for you to have this book if you haven't read it yet. An absolute must for any real estate agent's library. Six Steps to Seven Figures, a real estate professional's guide to building wealth and creating your destiny. Just go to freesixstepsbook.com and fill out the form and I will send it to you absolutely free. Or simply text the word PAT to 444-999. That's P-A-T to 444-999. I'll never forget the advice that uh, what was her name? Uh, Kristen Cole gave me a long time ago. She's a, a top agent and uh, out of Alaska. And uh, she said, make all your decisions with money removed from the equation, right? So if, if it weren't about money, what, how would you decide? How would you act? What would you do? 
right? And, that, and that's essentially what you've done. You remove money from the equation. It's about them, not about the money. And then the money just follows. Let the chips fall where they may. Exactly. Because the money does follow. You give good service. People trust you. Because in this business, right, we don't have the greatest of reputations in general as real estate agents, right? So what's the, the thing that I think a lot of buyers and sellers don't expect to get is a good feeling from their agent. Hey, I trust you. I trust you so much. I'm going to recommend you to my brother, my sister, my friend, my parent. And when they find an agent like that, they love them. They keep hold of them. I've had some clients that I've worked with 10 transactions, including developers as well as uh, you know regular owner occupants. And it's always because I do what I say. I just had a client the other day. They were with me, hard property to sell for a year, decided they wanted to try a different agent. I wasn't happy about that, but they did it. After six months, they came back to me and said, okay, at least you do what you say that you're gonna do. And now we're going to listen to the recommendations you gave us to make changes to this home to sell it this time around. And we're off to a good start with that one. Yeah, it's interesting. This is a great conversation. And I appreciate you having it with me. I, I, it's, it's top of mind because I was reading uh, Facebook before we got on the call and there was a big, um, there's a big group with uh, thousands of agents in it. And there was a conversation going on about an agent who had put in their contract that the seller would increase the co-op just to them, meaning that, that the, the buyer obviously signed the contract. There was an addendum that said, well, the co-op instead of X is now Y. And the listing agent was withholding it because they wanted to debate it with the agent and tell them that it was illegal and they couldn't do that and, and, and that sort of thing. And the people on Facebook were given both sides, but, but a lot of them were saying, hey, you can't withhold it. You, you know, you got to submit it to the seller, whether you like it or not, you got to submit it. And it reminded me, and I saw that there's a lot of companies out there now that are starting to create platforms where offers are actually submitted directly to the seller and the agent is carbon copied just for this reason, because agents are kind of standing in the way now between buyer and seller. Does this make any sense? It makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. What a great way for the agent to shoot themselves in the foot. That may make them feel good for this one deal, but out of their whole career, is it worth it for one deal to go back and try and get them to up the commission? I mean, if they had a concern about the commission, they should have had that conversation before they showed the property. But you see in the MLS, at least in our area, what the co-op is. And if you're not comfortable with the co-op, you pick up the phone, you call the listing agent. You try and work something out ahead of time. In my understanding is it's always implicit. You walk through the door and you show it. That's because you, you are basically stating you will accept the co-op commission, period. You want to come back and try again? Yeah, I'll, I'll show the, the addendum to the seller because that's my job, just as you said. But then the seller and I are going to have a discussion about, well, the merits of such a request. And that's a totally different conversation. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I never thought about that. But yeah, that is a conversation. It's all about disclosure and conversations. Isn't it? As agents, we need to either A, discuss it with the buyer and or B, discuss it with the listing agent. And once you cross that threshold, once you open that lockbox and cross that front door, it's implicit that they have made an offer of X co-op and you have made an, an agreement to accept X co-op. That's right. Now, I often think too of the reverse, kind of the reverse situation. Suppose the seller agrees to offer X and then during the course of the listing, they change their mind and they want to reduce the co-op commission to Y. But an agent showed it while it was listed at X. Well, seller, <laughs> if that's the person who writes the contract, You've got to pay the X. That's true. That's true because, and, and that's another great point because there are, again, there are technology platforms now that allow agents to, um, that allow not agents, but sellers to decide on their own what the co-op is going to be. So what's happening, you know, they could go, we're going to put it out on, at X and see if it sells. And if it doesn't sell, we'll raise it to Y. I guess an agent's never going to complain if it's raised 
They're only going to complain <laughs> if it drops. So, so long as they keep raising it, not lowering it, they won't get in any trouble there. Yeah, it, it's nice in theory, but I've yet to see that in practice. <laughs> just doesn't happen. Just doesn't happen. Wow, but amazing. What you talked about, though, you know, being honest and open and having those discussions and disclosing, that's really key to building the trust and the confidence of the client to the agent. So and how, how know, do you do that? Give me some specifics of, you know, how John builds trust. I love the idea of the Facebook thing. You know, you, you're selective on who you let in Facebook, but you're letting in all your clients. So it becomes an extended family and people really appreciate that. What other things like that do you do to build trust where they're like, John is, John, I trust him. He's part of our family. Well, it goes way before the, the Facebook thing is about continuing the relationship. Once it's already been established, establishing the relationship, that's the hardest part. And that's the most important part. So when I'm having my initial conversations with buyers, for example, I literally say to them, I don't care what you buy. I don't care how much money you spend on it because it's your money. It's your life. And it's this place that you're going to call home, which is a really important thing. My job is to help you understand the impact of the choices you are making. And then I go on to explain to them, look, when we go see a property, I'm going to talk to you about what I see physically. Because you're busy trying to figure out where the Christmas tree is going to go or does your couch fit <laughs> in the living room. I literally had a client say her, her final judgment on any property was, where will the Christmas tree go? And can I see myself making pancakes with my children on Saturday morning? Mm, wow, I so, love that, dude. I love so that. So that was one of my last, whenever we sell property together, we'd get to the end and I'd say, where's the Christmas tree? So I needed to let her know I was listening. I was paying attention. When we go see property, when I just describe what's around physically, they're not paying attention to that. You know, some property, hey, there's no dishwasher. And they'll go, oh, I didn't know that. I tell them, I'm not going to tell you what to buy, but I'm going to point out if something looks suspicious. I'm not a home inspector, but if there's a big stain in the ceiling over there, I'm going to go, hey, did you see that? We need to check that out. Or if something looks really fantastic, I tell them up front, look, I'm going to say to you, you don't need to buy this, but somebody's going to buy it because it's too good of a value. So in everything I do, I am trying to show them that I am treating them openly, honestly, fairly, that I understand where they're coming from, whatever their fears are, for example, or whatever their goals are, that I've paid attention. I'm working with them. I'm more of a consultant rather than a salesperson. And then that's repeated in every single house. They know the drill. I've set the expectation with them. Then as we get feedback, I understand their goals a little bit better, their fears a little bit better. And then when I'm able to relate that back to them in the next house, in the next showing by the questions I ask or what I'm pointing out, they now know that I know. I get them. Yeah, you're, you're, you're consciously intuitive. Yes. Yeah. I, I was thinking the other day in preparing for this session today, um, if I had to go back to a, well, a current agent or especially a new agent, I mean, I would say to them basically three things, you know, above all else. First, you have to be knowledgeable. Know your contract. If you don't know your contract or know how to use your MLS software, you've got a big problem. Okay, so let, let, let's slow this down. So, you know, because I think that's a huge thing, right? But here's the thing. There's so many agents in this business, and obviously you're a true professional here, and this is a good interview, um, but, and they need to hear this, but there's so many agents in this interview, I mean, in this business now that have not read the contracts, and probably if they did read it, couldn't understand you know, you know what, what the legalese means. What, what do you recommend to them? I mean, did you just learn by trial and error, or... Or do you recommend them sitting there reading it and highlighting it until they understand like a, like a course in college? What, what, what do we do if you are new and you want to be, like John says, and knowledgeable about the contract? So first you have to admit that you don't know. I don't know. 
Now go figure out the answers to that. What I did in my career was I had a great broker. She was very approachable. And I'd walk in and go, Vivian, I don't get this. Or I would formulate what I thought the paragraph meant. And I'd go in and say, is, is that what this means? And she great either advice. yes, no, or maybe. Um, since then, because even after 15 years, you know, you get this question or a situation arises and it's like, wow, I never thought about it that way. I don't know. So I'll go to the broker. I'll go to uh, a trusted settlement attorney. Sometimes I'll go to several different people because since there rarely is black and white in this business, get different opinions on the read. Um, once or twice, I've even gone to corporate legal counsel and said, you know, this is what I think it means, but I need you to, to make sure that I know what I'm doing. Um, for newer agents, definitely any kind of classes you can get a hold of. Everybody wants to teach you. Go with a, a class provider that has a good reputation or that your brokerage is going to recommend to you. I think most agents figure out pretty quickly how much they respect and trust the broker in their office. Uh, you can always go to a, a, a high-performing or knowledgeable agent in the office, but I do put a caveat with that because agents usually don't know as much as they think they know. <laughs> and I've seen some advice, and in my head I'm going, wow, you've been in the business 30 years and you don't know how the home inspection contingency removal addendum works? What's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, and you're teaching one, right? a new guy who's here like two months. <laughs> Right, and they, you know, they're letting dates expire, and then their you know, clients are mad at them, and it's like, you, don't, don't you read? It's only like two sentences that you need to understand, you know? I know, and isn't that what people come to us for? They want our help in buying or selling, and they want to do it the right way so they're protected and don't get into trouble. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. It's kind of a, a very simple concept to understand. Then you have the contract. It tells you how it is done in your particular area. So for me, for example, we have a Virginia contract, and Virginia is a buyer beware state, as opposed to the District of Columbia, where it's a slightly different contract, and we have different disclosure rules. Well, I better know the difference between those two, because sometimes you know we get a buyer who doesn't know if they want to live in D.C. or Virginia. So I've got to explain to them, here are the trade-offs. Here's what this means. And if I don't know, you better believe I'm on the phone calling or I'm emailing somebody who shouldn't know saying, what does this mean? Because I don't want to open but more, the most selfish way to look at it. Why should I, as an agent, make up an answer that potentially is going to get me into legal trouble down the line? It makes absolutely no sense. I, can, I have learned to be embarrassed all day long. Nope, sorry, don't know. Nope, wow, that's a good question. Be honest with the client, for God's sakes. They know when we're BSing. These in our area, I mean, consumers are pretty smart. There's a lot of real estate information out there. So it's, I find clients respect me much more when I tell them up front, you know what, I don't know. Or I've heard several different interpretations of this, which one that's makes the most sense. It does. 
Right. But you, you work through it. You work together. You go to your resources. You go to your broker. You go to your settlement attorney. Yeah, go to, yeah. Right. Go, yeah, find out. Ask. Do the work. Get it. Don't be embarrassed. Just say, I don't understand this paragraph, you know, or, or this is how I interpret this paragraph. How do you? I love that advice. What, what's the second thing on your list? Empathy. Empathy. Wow. Okay. Uh, do tell. You have got to understand what is going on in the head of that buyer or seller. I always tell new agents, this business is really not about houses. This business is about people. People first, houses second, money third. You got to, people will tell you certain things, but you watch their body language and you know that that is not the truth or there is something else that's in there. So you pay attention. Pay attention to the words that they say, the emotion that they give you the specific data that they're giving you. Here's what's important to me. And you try to understand it from their perspective because that's who I'm trying to help. Why wouldn't I want to know? I want to know about them. I want to know what schools are important. I want to know that they don't want so many stairs because when their mother-in-law comes over, she has a bad hip and she can't walk. I want to know that the last time they had an agent, they felt they really got screwed over. So this time they're going to be extra tough on any listing agent they have. Wow, that's a bad situation. For, I'm so sorry. Let's figure out how to make this experience better and better with me. You've got to pay attention and listen. It's not about me as <laughs> the agent. It is about the client. They're hiring me. And if I do a good job, gee, they're going to pay me. What a radical idea. Pay attention to who they are, what they need, what they say to you, what they don't say to you. That's awesome. What about the third one there? Third one is organization. Hmm, okay. I, I don't care how you do it. You got, you got to organize your day. You got to organize your car. You got to organize your files. The client is looking to me to keep them on track for the transaction. So you've got like the, you know, when I open a file, I've got my little cheat sheet on the front. It says who are the parties? Who's the settlement company? Here are data ratification all the contingencies, when the expiration is for each of those contingencies, when we're likely to do walkthrough, when settlement's going to be. Do I have an excess deposit? Do I have anything else that's weird out there that I need to care about? Well, the client doesn't have that list. They're going to look to me to have that list. Oh, yeah, of course. And if I'm not organized, <laughs> I'm scrambling with just a big pile of paper. That's a bad service, number one, as an agent. Secondly, I will never get business again from them. And third, I may end up screwing the deal because I missed deadlines mm. or I didn't keep in touch with the lender to find out where the loan is going. Absolutely. Organize, Absolutely. On, organize on everything. Organize my thinking. I, I mean, I carry around one of those old school composition, the black and white books. Oh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got one opened in front of me right now. <laughs> the list, you figure it out. Hey, whatever works, right? You know, whatever, whatever works. And, and, yeah. That's one thing that I wish when I had started this business, I went to all the classes, cold calling and direct mail and this, that, and the other. No one ever said to me, John, you don't need to do all of these things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pick the ones that you feel most comfortable with. Pick one or two. Go out there and do it and see how it works for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be yeah. yourself. Be yourself. So, so, John, what about a mistake that you've made in 15 years, sold a lot of houses? What's a mistake you made that uh, we can learn from? Oh, gosh, I made plenty. <laughs> but they're all learning experiences. So from a, a, on a listing perspective, a couple times where the seller has given me their target price, and I've told them that's, that's way out of line. Comps don't support it. I've tried so hard. I've gone so many miles from your property. Can't support it. And they keep talking to me about it. I'm like, you know, I just don't see it. Here's the data. Here's the best I could do. Here's the best argument I could make. And I didn't get the listing on two occasions. And what I found out afterward was because I asked for feedback. The seller said to me, yeah, we kind of knew that it was aggressive, but we just wanted to hear that you would try. And I thought, wow, okay, so now I've modified my listing presentation. I'm going to give them, I'm still giving them the honest truth, 
But now I tweak it a little bit and say, look, here's the number you want. This is all I can see the market giving us. If you want to try for that other number, I'm happy to work with you to try for X number of days. But I'm telling you up front, it's not going to be easy. And you may not sell it at all. I find that sellers respond to that. They like the fact that I'm listening. I'm supporting their goal. But I'm also giving them my professional opinion. On the buyer side, similar experience. I had a client that I had helped years ago, helped them buy, started having a personal relationship. They came to my 50th birthday party. I mean, this was a, you know, somebody that I really thought was, was kind of a friend more than a client. And we were out looking at property and uh, one particular property and they kept saying they wanted to offer this particular number. And I kept saying, you know what, the house is worth more than that. I, I, I'll write it for you, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Well, we had that conversation for a while, repeated for, I don't know, a few minutes. And then, don't you know, a few days later, I got a voicemail from them saying, thank you so much. We decided to go in a different direction. Click. I was stunned. Here are these people that, you know, we did stuff socially with. And all of a sudden, it's, I couldn't even get a phone call. They wouldn't return any calls, any emails. I'm apologizing. I'm so sorry. What did I do? What did I do? I found out they went with another agent who wrote the lowball offer, and they didn't get the house. <laughs> so I was right. They wouldn't take it. But they wanted to believe that I was going to be in their court regardless of what they wanted to do. And I, I missed that, hindsight being what it is. I failed on that. So now again, when I'm talking to buyers about price and they say they want to lowball it, my first response is happy to write it for you. But now you understand it may not go where you want it to go. Right. It's, it kind of goes back. I mean, it goes back to, to two parts of this conversation today. It goes back to the empathy number that you talked about, right? Having right. empathy for them. And it also goes back to the commission thing in in the story of the agents getting in between the buyer and seller, right? You got a buyer that wants to send him an offer to a seller. It's his right to do that. And you're not going to stand in a way just like with a, Hey, you got to, you know, you know, and you got to present the offer, right? You can't be, you can't get in the way. Agents cannot get in the way of buyers and sellers. I mean, cause you don't know, maybe the, Maybe something happened the night before and the seller is willing to take a lowball offer. You just don't know, right? You can't stand in the way. Exactly. You just never know in this business about anything. And let them know. learn the hard way, right? Let them, let them get their head kicked in. Let them make the seller the bad guy. Like, man, I was, exactly. rooting, I was rooting for you. I was hoping that you'd get it. <laughs> I and tried my best. They're I jerks. Cops. They're I jerks. Let's go look at another one, you know? And, and isn't that a way then to build trust? Yeah, right. I mean, right, exactly. You know what I mean? I mean, and nowadays it doesn't take that long with technology and, and, and DocuSign and things like that to write an offer. So it's not going to take any longer than it is going to show them one or two more houses. So, you know, just you can certainly throw in your two cents or not. They might not even ask for your two cents. Say, okay, we can and try. And then when the seller's like, you know, no, I'm insulted, then they, then they might be a little embarrassed or they lose out on a house or two, right? Um, That's they, right. They, 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 you know, they're like dogs, you know? Buyers are like dogs. They learn pretty quick, you know what I mean? You, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they lose a couple yes. of deals and you don't got <laughs> to tell them over and over again. No, nope, they get wrapped on the nose once or twice, they get it. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes they'll tell you, they want to make a low ball offer and I'll say that's really low. Then they'll say things like, I know, but I don't love this house anyway. Mm. Like, ah, now I understand some where your value proposition is for this specific house and judging or comparing this house to other houses we've seen. Now I can see more clearly where your priorities are. So the only way this house makes sense given its trade-offs is to get it at a low price. There you go. Right. So we're always learning, always listening, always trying to understand what the buyer is telling us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, this has been a great, great show, John. Let's wrap this up with our flagship question, and that is this. If I took you 
and I put you uh, with 10 other real estate agents. Let's just make this apples to apples, right? We're going to have 10 agents. We're not going to, no agents are going to be leveraging. They're all going to be working uh, sphere of, inf they're all going to be working people like you do, right? They're all going to be, work they're not going to be buying leads, right? There's not going to be much spending of money at all, right? So okay. I give you a cell phone. I'm going to just say, what happens if I just give you a cell phone only and I, I give you the ability to meet other human beings and you want to, you, we put you all on a, in a new island, a new space, but there's a lot of commerce there. People are buying and selling real estate. People, um, there's money flowing around. Uh, but the one thing that all 10 agents have in common is they don't know a soul. And whoever out of the 10 sells the most houses in the first six months with nothing but themselves and a cell phone, let's say, uh, wins a million dollars. How are you going to win this game? I think what comes to mind, first of all, is just the, the hard work of cold calling or, well, we've got a couple different options, I guess. One, one is to call directly. One is to use one of those apps like SlideDial, where you don't actually have to call the person. You can leave a, a voicemail there without the phone actually ringing, so I'm delivering a message to the receiver. They're listening to my voice. They get some kind of... Uh, impression about my professionalism, my feeling, how much I care, what have you. Uh, texting, of course, would be part of that. And then I think for me, it's a numbers game. How many people can I reach with whatever my, what I call my elevator speeches? It's the quick bullet. Here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's why you should care. Here's what I can do for you. It's quick. It's truthful. And it should be compelling enough that they call me back. But it's a, if I don't know a soul on there, I'm making as many calls and contacts yeah. as I can every every minute of every day. Or just going to meet them, you know. Find oh, if I'm allowed to go out of the room, yeah, You're allowed to go out of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of knocking. It's a lot of. Uh, uh, I guess I don't have access to a to a, a copy or anything to to make flyers and and stuff them into doors, but. It's a lot of knocking. It's a lot of, this gets into, I think, being to convey to people that you are there about them. That I'm not there about the money. I'm there to offer a service that will help them at a really good value. Lots of experience um, at, at a fair market value, whatever, whatever we're going to determine that to be. That's awesome. Dude. That's it's awesome. not a sexy answer, but I mean, I think that's, no, I think that's true. You're doing you. You're doing you. So, so as, as you know, everybody that comes on the show brings a free gift, and we put that in your show notes. I'm going to put it at hybendigital.com. Let's see. I will put it at hybendigital.com. Backs John Mentis, and it's J-O-H-N, first of all, M-E-N-T-I-S. J-O-H-M-M-E-N-T-I-S. What's your uh, free gift that you're bringing today, John? So what I brought today is a one-pager that as a listing agent, I use to talk to every loan officer on every offer on every listing. <clears throat> because, number one, I found out most agents don't do this. Most agents don't call the loan officer and say, hey, can you tell me about the financial strength of this particular buyer? I want to be able to offer that service to the seller when I'm bringing them an offer. It's not just about the money on the table. It's about, can this buyer actually deliver? So in my one pager, it gets some of the basics, you know, who's on the loan, what kind of a loan. In our area, we have some down payment assistance programs that are often a grant, but our contract doesn't ask that question. So there are cases where, the buyer doesn't qualify for that grant program and suddenly they don't have a down payment. I need to tease that out ahead of time. Interest rate is, is important, of course, if, if we think the interest rates are really skyrocketing or much higher than what the offer has listed as the interest rate. Well, that makes me scratch my head. What, what are they doing? And then I ask the loan officer some basic questions about income. Have they verified the buyer's income and assets? Have they seen documentation? Is this buyer salaried 100%? Any other income from commission? A W-2 or do they get a 1099? Are they self-employed? And if so, for at least two years. 
because I know lenders care about that. If it's a self-employed person for less than two years, we're going to have a hard time getting this loan. Oh, that's through. good. Can you ask, do you ask, what's their credit score? No, I cannot ask that. Uh, when I get to the very end of my conversation with the lender, because usually this is like only 10 minutes, I'll say, is there anything else you think the seller should know to understand the financial strength of the buyer? I just open the door. And you'd be surprised how many loan officers want to get all chatty. They want to tell me credit scores. They want to tell me not just one credit score. They want to tell me all the credit scores. They want to tell me where they work. They want to tell me the motivation of the buyer in buying this house. And I'm writing all that stuff down as fast as I can. <laughs> I didn't ask for it. I'm giving the loan officer the opportunity to share. And it's the loan officer's problem if they're crossing the line in terms of what they should and should not be disclosing. That's awesome. Good book. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I'm, I'm going to, um, gosh, guys, that'll be in John's show notes. I'll also put it on hybendigital.com backslash toolbox because I'm going to put it in the toolbox with all the other items of utility that you guys should be using on a day-to-day -day basis. If you don't have that yet, go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or just text the word toolbox to 444-999. Uh, and uh, if you want to reach out to John, all his contact information will be in the show notes. Uh, John, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you and appreciate uh, the leadership uh, and the example you're setting for our industry. And uh, best of luck to you, my friend. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Pat. Thank you so much for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. If this free content is giving you a ton of value, I want to ask a small favor in return. I need you to pull out your pointing finger and hit the subscribe button. Yes, hit subscribe, please. The more subscribers that we get on Real Estate Rockstars, the better guests are attracted to the shows. We'll get more guests from the top companies, from the top teams, and even more celebrity guests like Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran. Also, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, Go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio right on Facebook and join the conversation. I'm on there myself on FaceTime Lives, and we have a lot of communications and questions about the show, and I'd love to see you there. And it's free. People ask me all the time, where am I on social media? I'm real easy to find. Just type in my name. My IG is I am Pat Hyben. It is blowing up on Instagram, adding tons of subscribers, and I'm on there probably twice a day, so definitely follow me on Instagram, as well as everywhere else. Thanks again for listening, and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.